So, Father, we thank you for today. Lord, Lord, we just thank you that you have called every single one of us to be an overcomer today. God, you haven't called us to live defeated lives. Father, you clearly said in your word that you have defeated the enemy and you've defeated this world. And, Lord, that you have uh, been so gracious to share that victory with us. And so, Lord, today, Lord, it's just our heart to step into that victory in a greater measure. And, uh, Lord, that we would be people, God, once again, that, that walk as overcomers, that walk as victors, that walk uh, as just marked by the blood of Jesus. And uh, so, Lord, thank you for just coming today. Thank you for opening up our hearts. And uh, we open up our hearts to receive from you today everything that you would desire to say to us. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Amen. Amen. Well, look, we want to start off today by looking at a verse that we're kind of making our foundational verse for this, for this series. It's Revelations chapter 12. It says this. It says, for the accuser of our brothers. Who's that? That's the devil. That's right, or Satan. So who's that? Come on, y'all. Listen, I'm ready to preach today. Y'all can help me out. So who, is, who, who are we talking about there? For the accuser of the brethren. Who is that? Satan. All right, all right. I'll keep working with you. Here we go. All right. So it says, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Verse 11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, this verse and many other verses like it remind us that every single one of us have been called to live an overcoming life. And that tells us this, that we're called to have victory over every trial, every temptation, every attack that the enemy would ever bring our way. Is that true? Amen. It's very true. Now listen, I don't know about you, but, but there's times that I've wondered this. Okay, if God has called every single one of us to be overcomers. Now, now think about this, not just in this room. But, but the universal church, everybody that's going to go to church today at some point, right? But basically, if he's called everyone to be an overcomer, then the question I have is this, is then why are so few of us actually living like one? Isn't that true? L- listen, I think for some of us, it's basically due to this simple fact. So many of us are absolutely unaware that there's a spiritual warfare, there's spiritual battle even raging around us. And, and, and then even there's another portion of people that not only are they just unaware, but there's some people that are aware, but they just refuse to engage in that spiritual warfare. In other words, they, they refuse to pray, they refuse to declare the word, they refuse to worship, they refuse to do the, the basic simple things that God has given us to fight. But, but here's what I want you to see today. If we're in one of those groups there, the outcome the same. When we don't fight, when we don't stand our ground, we end up being the ones who are overcome. So true. See, see you see, the, the only way that the enemy can defeat us is either by our ignorance or by our complacency. It's so true, right? And you remember what we said a, a few weeks ago is when we were ending uh, our series on the prayer initiative, we said this, that the, that the enemy doesn't have authority. He lost that when he got kicked out of heaven. The only way he can gain authority in our lives is when we come in agreement with him. And sometimes we come in agreement with him by simply just not standing our ground and not fighting against him. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's maybe a little, a uh, little point blank, maybe a little strong, but, but I think it needs to be asked. And here's the question is, are you being overcome or are you overcoming? Are you being overcome or are you overcoming? Because there is no middle ground. Now watch this. A lot of times we can look at our lives and we go, well, 90% of it, I'm doing great. But what I want us to see in this series is basically is have the courage to look at little every little detail where we really where we really just do life. And it can be as simple as this is, you know, in this area, am I really walking in my God given identity or not? In this area, am I walking in the truth or am I believing a lie? In this area over here, am I really experiencing the freedom for Christ came to set us to make us free, right? Am I really walking in freedom or am I walking in bondage? See, it's for all these reasons that I love what Peter told us 
in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, he said this. He simply said, stay alert. Did y'all get that? Stay alert. Don't, don't go asleep on the job. In fact, I, you know, we lived in Fayetteville all those years, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I, I used to enjoy driving down 95 South when, when we would come from in between basically Raleigh and Fayetteville. Obviously, there's a military base there. It's Fort Bragg. There was this big old uh, billboard that simply said this. It had, a, it had a soldier basically that was halfway out of the water with his uh, M4, and he's all, obviously all decked out, face painted, and it simply said this, sleep well tonight because someone's on guard. Are y'all with me? And, and, and so the thing is, is this, is, I, you know, so often in church, we, we think we can sleep well because somebody else is on guard. No, we have to be on guard for our own lives. That needs to be our posture. We need to be the one that's staying alert. Y'all tracking? So it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. It says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Notice this next part, looking for someone to devour. That tells us that he can't devour anybody and everybody. But, but it's no different than when we go, you know, turn on the old nature channel. You know, if there's a lion in the grass or if there's a cheetah in the grass, if there's whatever in the grass, who's he always going for? The weak link, right? He's not going for the big strong one. They get away. And, and so basically the devil's looking for someone to devour. Who's he looking for? He's looking for those, what it says in verse 9, who are not standing firm against him. And those who are not being strong in their faith. So it's important, guys, that we stand firm against and we stand our ground. That's actually a military term that's used there in the Greek language and that we're strong in our faith. Amen? So here's kind of the point that I want you to see is this. Is all of this just simply serves as a reminder that, you know, for us to have the ability to live the overcoming life, then it depends on really our ability to identify and stand against the lies, the deception, and the attacks, even the bondage that the enemy would try to come shove down our throats. So remember, that's the purpose of this series. I've kind of said it a few times now, but the purpose of this series is simply to identify what the enemy's doing and to confront that because that's our job, right? Not just to roll over and play dead. And then thirdly is to do what? Is to get free from that thing. Yes, because why? Because you, you know, even if you have to go look in the mirror every day, and I know it sounds cheesy, but just look in the mirror and say, I am an overcomer. <laughs> And say until you believe the doggone thing, right? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're not making that up. God said that about you. So just believe it, all right? So over the past few weeks, we've talked about this. The first week, we talked about basically getting free from the bondage or the basically getting free from the spirit of religion, all right? And that's so key. The second thing we talked about is getting free from a spirit of poverty or poverty spirit. And today, what we're going to talk about is this. And you know, do me a favor. As soon as you hear this, don't check out. Just hang tight and see if something lands. All right? But it's this. We're going to talk about today getting, rid, uh, getting free from the spirit of confusion. The spirit of confusion. This is a, uh, you know, an absolutely realistic attack that the enemy is bombarding the church with at this moment. Yes? And I think as we talk, you'll find out that, that it's come your way a time or two. Maybe you recognized it. Maybe you didn't. But we want to recognize it from now on. All right? So, listen, it's important that we understand, kind of getting started here today, that the type of confusion we're talking about today is not the kind of confusion that we all kind of, you know, kind of happens to us, you know, often. And it's simply this, man, I'm tired and, and I need to get some sleep because I'm not thinking right. That's not what we're talking about. We're, we're not talking about, uh, you, you, you know, basically you step into a new thing and you don't have the just simple basic knowledge that you need to kind of figure it out. That's not what we're talking about, okay? The, the kind of uh, confusion we're talking about today is a spiritual confusion. 
And it's important that we also understand this, that this kind of spiritual confusion can happen on different levels, okay? It, it can go from simply having a, you know, an uncommon, you know, your, your mind's cloudy, you really don't get it, you can't figure it out, you, you know, a little, little moment there, you know, maybe it lasts for a week or so, all the way to the point where, you know, seeing people really be in this spot where they're absolutely paralyzed because they are so mentally shot, the dots are not connecting, are you following me? That, that they're absolutely, they, they can't even function anymore because mentally it's not working. All right? So it can go from there all the way to there. And typically what it is is how a person goes from here to here is because they hit here and then they don't confront it. And so slowly but surely it drags them down to the dark place where they live here where life is, is, is just getting ruined. Yeah? And, and so, so maybe let me add this. People that I've even seen here in this area, they're not all like dumb people. There's some brilliant people that I've seen right here. Okay? Yes? So let's get moving here. Uh, Let's start with this verse. I want you to see that the kind of confusion day that we're talking about is not from God. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14.33. It's a great one to underline in your Bible. It says this. It says, for God is not the author or the source of confusion, but of peace. What a great verse. That God is not the author... Of confusion, but of peace. So, you know, we, we, we don't need to make any mistakes about it. Where, where there's confusion in a believer's life, where it's confusion in our lives, God is not in it. He's not behind it. You, you, you know, it's almost like, you know, religion will teach you that, man, if you're confused, God's trying to teach you something. That's a lie. Everybody hear me? That is a lie, okay? God doesn't operate like that. He doesn't punish his children with confusion, all right? In fact, here's what I believe the Lord wants all of us to walk in. Look at this in Proverbs 4. It says, let your eyes look directly ahead. In other words, this is the posture he wants us to have. And let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Does that sound like a confused person? No. Listen, that verse right there, before I dive in and say kind of what Solomon's saying, this is what should be the normal Christian life. That should be it. That should be normal. And we should, we should have enough grit about us to not accept anything less than that. So let me tell you what I believe Solomon is saying. I believe he's saying this. That's God's heart that we would follow him, that we would follow God, that we'd be stable, that we'd be consistent, that we'd be steady, that we'd be composed, that our lives would be marked with vision, that our lives would be marked with order, that our lives would be marked with clarity, that our lives would be marked with peace. Right? So when confusion comes into our life, guess what? It steals every bit of that away from us because confusion is the exact opposite. So true, right? See, kind of give you an idea just for us to be able to connect to this. Confusion causes our vision to be blurred. It it causes our thoughts to be cluttered. It causes our hearts to be distracted. Internally, we feel like this when we're confused. We're unsettled. We're uncertain. We feel jumbled up, chaotic. We feel out of sorts. Sometimes it can go so far we feel frustrated, even even overwhelmed. Sometimes we, we do this. And when you see someone that's really under confusion, they'll say words like this, Man, I am emotionally exhausted. Sometimes they're puzzled. They feel absolutely like they're fragile inside, like anything could just break them. And, uh, you know, people, when they're confused, it's like, it's like you go talk to them, and they flip back and forth constantly. Faith, doubt. Faith, doubt. Faith, doubt. You quote scriptures. Faith, doubt. They'll believe for a second, then they won't. That's a confused person, yes? See, see mentally, these people feel like this. They feel like they're running through a maze. They feel like they are uh, maybe sitting in a fog, or maybe they're just tangled up mess inside. It's like this. They don't have any answers. They don't know a way out. They feel defeated. And lastly, it's this, is these feelings can lead to this. 
is they can have an uncommon level of indecisiveness, an uncommon level of hesitation. And it's this, that there's an uncommon level of anxiety. I don't mean it's just like I'm, I'm nervous about one little thing. Uh, no, I mean it's, it's ruling them. And, and then it's not only anxiety, but it's also depression. And, and then it's hopelessness. In fact, I, I kind of heard this while I was preparing. It's like people find themselves saying this, uh, I, I, think, I think I'm going crazy. If that's you today, I want you to know you're not going crazy. <laughs> you're not crazy. You're just simply under attack. You're confused. Yes? So, you know, while I was preparing, I was just thinking, man, what's a, what's a word picture that I could somehow use to describe this? Okay, somehow make it, I don't know, just, um, you know, practical. So take something common, swing it to, the, uh, you know, basically the spiritual. And uh, th- this is the best I come up with. Actually, it's the first thing that came to my mind, so I went with it. There you go. So... When, when we first moved here, you know, anytime you move to a new place, it takes you a while to get acclimated to uh, the roads, right? In other words, kind of find your way, get some directions. And so I, I think uh, we were living here for about a month, and uh, we got invited to have dinner actually at, at Dr. Ben and Miss Vicky's house. And, and, you know, basically the area they live, man, it's just like this tangled web of roads. You know, I've learned now if you can't find your way out, just follow one and it'll run you into somewhere that you'll kind of figure it out, right? So now I have a pretty good, pretty good grasp on it. But anyways, so after, after hanging out with those guys for dinner one night, Jen and I left their house. And when we left, it, it was like, it wasn't dark. Like it was pitch black dark. Right, and not, y'all know what I'm saying. If you if you ever live in the city, we're not used to that stuff, right? We're used to having uh, street lights, okay? And, and and so there was none to be found anyway. So so we we not only was it pitch black dark, but it was probably the foggiest I've ever seen in my life. Y- y'all know how it rolls in here like that, right? And so anyway, so we left, and and we were trying to find our way home. And anyways, on our way home, once again, not not knowing our way around, we took a wrong turn. And because it was so foggy, you couldn't see street signs. I mean, it was, I mean, literally where I was like pokey Joe and like it was like five o'clock traffic in the city trying to, it was that foggy, right? Anyway, so I took a wrong turn and, and we went down this road and basically we came to one of y'all's lovely dead ends, right? It is, is it's not a dead end. It's a circle. And I think I went around the circle maybe once. We'll say it was just once. <laughs> And, and I finally, uh, I realized, okay, uh, you know, listen, I am absolutely disoriented here. I am lost. We have lost our way. And, you, you know, I was like, man, what, what am I going to do? So I finally just stopped the car, you know, trying to figure out because, you know, there's not always service around here, even with that Verizon expensive bill. Anyway, so anyways, so, so we sat there, right? And, and here's the thing I want you to see is basically uh, because we were so confused Man, we had to stop the car. We, we were so confused that we lost our forward momentum. And, and, you know, I think that, once again, is maybe a good picture of where so many Christians are at today mentally. Mentally, they live in a fog. In other words, they're going about life, but mentally they're in a fog, a, fog, a dark fog, and, and they're just sitting idle. And if they're not just sitting idle because they can't move because they are so disoriented, they don't know where to go, they're just going around in circles again and again and again. And what's happening is this spirit of confusion is just really ruining their lives, right? And, and so there's part of that. If you've been sitting back for the past year or two years going, man, you, you know, wh- where have I gone? Where have I went? with God. If you're still at the same spot, you, this might be you. You might be at that dead end roundabout just making your way. And it feels like movement, but you're not going anywhere. When you kind of bring all that together and start connecting the dots on that, what's the spirit of confusion? What does it look like? Let me, let me show you a simple definition. Yeah, so what's the spirit of confusion? 
Spirit of confusion is this. It's a spiritual or mental stronghold. You can even put in there attack of the enemy that prevents us from living with the mind of Christ. That's so simple, but, but it's true. That, that it prevents us from living in the mind of Christ. When we got born again, guys, we received the mind of Christ. And God at that moment gave us the ability to not only think, but to know his thoughts. Right? And he's called us to live from there where, where Jesus Christ is the wisdom. Right? And, and so, anyways, where, where the Holy Spirit is our guide, where he speaks to us and we move. Right? Where we're led by his voice. All those things. But what happens is when confusion comes, it cuts off every bit of that. It's like almost, if you can imagine having oxygen, somebody steps on your air hose. Right? That's immediately. And it's so wild because you'll really know how confusion, attack of confusion really works. It doesn't really come subtle. It just happens. Right? You're clear. Uh, you're not clear. Am I making sense to anybody today? Yeah. See, the, the goal of the spirit of confusion is simply this. He wants to undermine your thought life. He wants to undermine your thought life. Oh, let, let me stop for a second. Maybe I just feel like I need to bring clarity to something. You know, if you're, if you're not, if you haven't been to church a whole lot, when you, when you hear people talk about spirits and stuff, they can go, man, y'all crazy, y'all are weird. But, but you know, what I've found so often in the church world is we have no problem with angels. But, but we get all weirded out when we talk about demons. And to understand that, that angels, according to the Bible, they are ministering spirits that are sent out uh, basically to help us, the heirs of salvation. How awesome is that? That God will send angels to help us. Right, And I could give you plenty of stories that describe that, but we don't have time. Okay, So so to understand that demons were angels at one time with God. They're still angels, but they're fallen angels. And, and so now what they do is they understand what their previous assignment was. And if you can imagine, their assignment is just the opposite. It's now they are sent on assignment from the devil basically to wreck our lives. Yes. So, so when we're talking about a spirit of something, it's literally we're, we're talking about a demon that that is being assigned to our lives to bring confusion in our in our worlds. Yes, Am I making sense. Okay. All right. So we could go into that a whole lot more, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Okay. So, so, so when these spirits come, they're trying to do this. They're, they're trying to undermine our thought life. They're trying to undermine our faith. They're trying to under, under, uh, undermine, sorry, our, our confidence, undermine our God-given identity. And, and here's what these, these spirits want to do. They want to disrupt our lives in these ways. First of all, if he can, if he can or they can get us so confused that we uh, you know, have to make a decision out of that confusion, more than likely we're going to make a mistake and choose the wrong thing. And, and when, we, when, we, when we make decisions where we're in that spot of confusion, that's why I, I never do. I always pray and pray and pray until I find clarity, until I know God's heart before I do something. But, but if we're, we're in that spot where we just feel like, man, I, I better make a decision. And most of the time we feel like we better make a decision because we feel like we've got to meet somebody else's needs. It's based on people's expectations. And so we'll make a decision, but the problem is it was the wrong decision that gets us out of the will of God. So the next thing is they want to do is they want to do this, is they want to paralyze us. They want to paralyze us. And how they do that, have you ever seen a person that's so confused that, that, that they're just like overcome with this passivity? It's like they don't want to do anything, right? And, and the reason is it's almost like they're, they're so stuck in that they just go, man, I don't even care anymore. And, and that's basic confusion that's really, man, it's got a firm grip. Uh, the last thing is this, and maybe this is the most overall goal here that spirit of confusion has, is he wants to hinder us from knowing and fulfilling God's plan for our lives. God has a great plan for every one of our lives in this room. And the enemy doesn't want to see that happen. 
Do you understand that? Because part of that plan is to do what the Bible says in 1 John, is to destroy the works of the devil. So we're at war, okay? And he's going to try to do everything he can to cripple us, to keep us from hurting his kingdom, right? And so if he can keep us confused, guess what? He robs of our joy, our peace, and ultimately robs us of our fruitfulness in the kingdom. Now, if you don't think that's, that's right, if you're going, Pastor, you're crazy, you're weird, consider this, and we've said this before here, that statistically... Uh, 87% of Christians today in America do not know their purpose. You can't convince me that spirit of confusion isn't part of that. Right? Because if he can keep people confused long enough so they can't have a clear thought to find out what God's plan and purpose is for their lives, then guess what? He's winning. All right, let's shift gears there a little bit. Let, let's do this. So we've been talking about us. I want to pull back. Take a broader perspective, and then I want to come back to us real quick. But, but I think it's important for us to see this, okay? It is, you know, when you look at confusion from a broader sense, I think all we have to do in this room, just go home today and, and turn on, it doesn't matter, pick your news station, right, your national news, and watch for an hour. Just an hour, if you can take it, Okay? <laughs> But in an hour, in, a, in a, literally a simple hour, you will recognize, men, that the spirit of confusion has gripped a majority of our nation. And, and, and here are people are that are giving their opinions, and their five minutes are contradicting themselves, but, 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 they are, but they are literally so gripped with confusion. Let me show you real quick how confusion, how the enemy has come in and brought it into our nation, okay? So first one would be this, skepticism. Skepticism. Basically, I, I, you know, I could go a whole lot into this, but let me give it to you really simple. It is there's this basically this lie that has come into the heart of our nation that says there is no longer a such thing as absolute truth. Okay, and and, and basically it's this that whatever is true to you is truth. And people do this. They they simply uh, they do what's what the Bible says. They're just doing what's right in their own eyes. So true, isn't it? And so what happens is, is when truth is removed from a culture, here's the second thing that he does, is moral lines are blurred. That morality is redefined. Let me maybe say it this way. All you have to pull back and go, you know what? Uh, man, in our nation, the, the lines of sexuality, of how marriage is defined, uh, what life is and what life isn't, man, all of that has been blurred in an unbelievable way. Yeah? Listen, I need you to understand something. I'm not a political person, but I am a person that has strong morals and convictions. And, and it is time that the church quits compromising for the sake of peace. That's not our job. For the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Do, do you understand that? So we want to get along with everybody. Listen, I can love everybody, but I don't have to agree with everybody. Okay? That's important that we understand that. You know, an example of this, talking about the moral lines that are blurred. You know, we're really living in a day, and I've said this before, but where evil is being declared as good, and where good is being declared as evil. Listen, that is not God, okay? And, and it's, it's basic example is this, is any mention, listen, any mention uh, of God's ways, we know it's quickly written off as someone being intolerant, and now it's hate speech. Who do you think is motivating that? Once again, our battle is not flesh and blood, okay? It's with spiritual principalities, right? So I will say this, and I'll move on. It, I think the thing that is so sad is that people can say whatever they want to about Christianity, and there's no repercussions. 
But as soon as a person gets on TV and mentions something about homosexuality, they're fired. That's what we're talking about. That's a problem. Yes? The last one is this. And, um, man, this is a powerful one. And it's a powerful one in our region. We've been talking about it recently, but it's this. So skepticism, redefining morals. third one is intellectualism. And, and it's really intellectualism at a simple form is simply this. It's, it's people are being led astray by the way the enemy is trying to overcomplicate the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of God's love. And, and basically when intellectualism comes, it basically says this. is people say that they're too smart to have faith. And, and here's the sad part, guys, is that's not, only, uh, that's not only invading our nation, it is invading the church. Y'all get that? It is evading the pulpits of churches. And, you, you know, let, let me make, say, make something really clear to you guys. We need to settle in our hearts really fast. What's in here? God meant it. Still saying that God said what he meant, and he meant what he said, and it's truth. And I need to settle in my heart that God is good. I need to settle in my heart that God always has what's best in mind for me. Right? He's always Right? God is never wrong. He is perfect. And so I can either sit back and I can, and I can go the way of the world and let confusion and the enemy wrap my brain around and say, you know, well, well maybe God didn't mean this. Because, see, all that, all, what all that does is, is it takes you back to the garden. Did God really say? It's what it is. Right? And when you sell in our heart, no, once again, if it's in here, it's in here. <laughs> and we believe it. That's simple, right? All right, moving on. Here we go. So let's take it back now, uh, and, and this is where I really want us to open our hearts. Let's take it back to a personal level, and I want to give you four ways that we can open up the door to confusion over our lives. Because once again, there's things in our lives that if I do X, Y, and Z, then guess what? I give the enemy access. You, you know, it's like this morning when we were praying, Angelo uh, referred to a scripture, I think it was Isaiah 51, about how God puts his hand, a covering, over our lives. Guess what? We have the option of God's here to go... Right? We have the option, literally every day, to, do we want to stay under that covering? Do we want to step out from it? Okay? So what we're talking about today is when we step out from under that covering and then uh, basically opens up confusion in our lives. Here we go. Number one. We can open up the door to confusion when we, number one, when we compromise. When we compromise. Please have an open heart here. Psalms 119.105 simply says this. says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. We quote that. That's an awesome verse. Yes? It's a great verse. But have we ever thought about what happens when we step off that path? Right? That his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Why do I need a light? Because I need to know where in the world I'm going. Right? And, and so the Bible says this in Proverbs 4.18. It really shows you what happens when you step off the path. It says this. It says, the ways, your translation may say, the path of right living people glow with light. That's the righteous. Those who stand for God, those who walk with God, those who love God. Verse 19 says, but the road of the wrongdoing, we can add in there, the, the road of those who compromise, the road of those who sin, the road of those who disobey, it says what? It gets darker and darker. Travelers can't see a thing. They fall flat on their face. I love what another translation says. It says this. It says that they have no idea what they are stumbling over. Y'all seeing this? Why does it say that? It's simply because of this. When we begin to compromise in what we know is right, we make the decision, once again, because all this that we're talking about the past few weeks is based off our own free will, that off our own free will, we step off the path of life, and guess what? 
we, we step into the path that is shrouded with darkness, right? So here's this path that God's alighting for us. There's joy, there's peace, there's wisdom, there's sermon, all those things that are here. But the moment we compromise, we go, all right, now, now let me clarify. I, I mean, when we habitually, when we set our pattern that I'm going to compromise, okay? Not that, man, I messed up today. It doesn't sling you right over there, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But when you actively go, nope, I'm bent, I'm going to do this thing. When we, maybe the best word, when we willfully keep on sinning, all right? So what happens is, is as soon as we step off this path into that path, guess what? Our sin begins to blur or darken our vision, and we open ourselves up to confusion. It's kind of like this. Imagine this. That how many times in life have we been in a really bright room, and and we automatically clean open door, and we step right into a dark room? And we don't turn the lights on. We just think, okay, I can make my way through this thing. And have you ever stubbed your toe? Lord Jesus, help us all. Right? (laughs) Is that not some of the worst pain you've ever felt in life when you grab that old pain? I remember one time, I remember one time I was running through a house and I, and I was a little fella and I, and I slipped on the, on the carpet and my, I looked at my foot, my pinky toe was like that and I had to pop it back in place. Right. I was like 14 years old. Right. Yeah. The bad part is we were at somebody else's house and they weren't there and I couldn't tell them, Hey, I was running around your house. Right. So anyways, I was like an idiot. Anyway, so. Ultimately, what happens is this, is guess what? When we, when we step into a dark room and, you know, we're disoriented, we're confused, we start walking, we stub our toe. Guess what? At that moment, we are, we are causing pain in our own lives that was absolutely avoidable. If we had just did what? Either stayed in the light or just turned on the light in that room. Right? So, so but that's what happens when we compromise. Man, man when we, we basically try to uh, run through a room that's dark and, and pain is awaiting. Right? All right, number two. We can open up the door to confusion when we have a fear of man. Have a fear of man in our lives. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. If I can maybe reword that, and, and please, please, please hear this. I would say it this way. Allowing everyone's expectations to control us is a dangerous thing. Because that's really what we're talking about here. Have you ever noticed that the, the, in your life there's a lot of people that have expectations for you? And it's unbelievable. So why, listen, why would, would God say the fear of man's a snare? Let me, let me maybe say this to you real fast before we go there. Is, do you understand that everything in God's word is set to protect you? Do you understand that? Everything that's in, the, in God's word is to protect you. And so when we read stuff like this, it's like God's not trying to hold us back. He's trying to teach us something. Here's what he's trying to teach us. Look at Matthew six twenty four. simply says this. Here's why the fear of man's snare. Because no one can serve two masters. In other words, it's impossible. I know in context, talking about money there, but in con, you know, in broader scheme here, basically, it is impossible to live a life that pleases God and pleases people. Are y'all hearing me? It's impossible. And uh, you, you know, so how do we know we're struggling with the fear of man? It, it's simply this: when you feel like maybe you've been praying and God spoke something to you, you're reading the Bible, you feel like God's saying something to you. And before you can say yes to God, you automatically begin to think about, if I say yes to God, what is so-and-so going to think or say? Ever been there? Oh, I've been there. That, that you know, if, if okay, God said to, to preach this, God said to do this, God said to take the church this way, and automatically I begin to think about what are those people going to think? That's the fear of man. It's a clear indicator, right? And we all have it in our lives. Uh, you, you know, if I, even this, Man, if I name my child this, what's my mama going to think? I had that one with all four of them. Right? 
And my mom said, I, didn't, I don't really like that name. Well, I stuck with what God said, right? Anyway, so now she's like, oh, I like it. I never said I didn't like it. You liar. Anyways, uh, listen, she's going to be here in like three weeks, so don't tell her I said that, okay? So, <laughs> so basically it's this, is, is, and obviously it's pretty clear, but when we begin to please God and try to please all those other voices in our lives, it's going to be really confusing, You know, imagine if I set up like this. Here, I'll give you one. Have you ever watched Price is Right? Yeah. This show is awful. All right, so my stepmom used to watch that when I was a kid. You know, we were, anyways, we were there for the summer. We we had to endure that thing. But anyways, so have you ever noticed that the person's up and and, uh, what's the guy's name? Bob Barker. That's it. Bob says, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, right? Is that right name? Okay, so he'd say, you know, right? And, and so everybody's like shouting prices, right? 500, 300, 3,000, and the person just like this. It's like they're looking for their best friend in the crowd, right? But, but, but can you imagine? That's what we, that's a, an image of what our lives look a lot of times. What are they saying? What, are they, what, what do I need to do? What? Right? And I feel like I got to jump through that hoop. I got to dot that I. I got to cross that T. I got to, and I got to please everybody. No, you, listen, the Bible simply says this, that we are controlled by God. It says that Jesus is the lead or the head of every man. That's who we follow. Amen? Amen? So, we, we, in other words, we live life with a fear, a godly respect, of honor to God. And it's above every person, right? Yes? Number three. Here we go. We can open up the door of confusion through envy and strife. Envy and strive. The Bible says this in James 3.16. It says, For we're evil and self-seeking, or, or your translation may say strive, or jealousy and selfish ambition, but we're going to go with envy and strife. It says where those exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now, so you understand here, so often when we hear the word uh, envy, we automatically think so-and-so's got this and I'm jealous of them. That's not the Greek word here. Okay, so, so even though that's applicable to our lives, that's not what it's talking about here. In, in this passage, the word envy there actually describes a person. Don't miss this, okay? B- because I want you to see this in your own household, all right? That, that literally describes a person who is so obsessed, so gripped, so preoccupied with their own personal view of things or their own opinion, they can't see or hear anyone else's thoughts or opinions on the subject. That's what it means. A little different, huh, than just... Then Jim got a new boat, and I want a boat. That's not what I was talking about, okay? So it, and, and it actually means this, that this person is so fixated on their opinions that they will literally, now listen, this is none of y'all, but they will literally argue until the other person either admits defeat or finally comes into agreement with their point of view. That's what it's talking about. Have you ever said, well, I know I'm right. Well, you just open up the door for confusion to come into your family. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me? L- listen, this person, this person, because they have no tolerance for people who think differently than they do or believe differently than they do, uh, they end up causing strife in their relationships. But because it's this, they'd rather be right than have peace. Yes? So, l- listen, and when we get there, l- listen, I re- for you guys that are married, I really want you to think about this. Okay? I really want you to think about it. Because it's at that point that, guess what, confusion enters into the situation and enters into your marriage. 
And li- listen, from a broader perspective, this can happen with doctrine on a broader perspective. I'm not talking about marriage, but in a broader perspective. But, but in marriage, guess what? It, it can be even be as simple as this, that we have a strong disagreement of how we should raise our kids. Right? It, it could be in this. Man, how, how, do, we, how do we spend our finances? Uh, you know, it could be a, just a simple task that's accomplished, but this kind of envy here can affect basically any relationship. And you understand that it's simply this. That's the enemy's way of not only bringing confusion, but it's the enemy's way of bringing division into our lives. Just a thought here to insert. Have you ever noticed that the enemy doesn't try to cause division in relationships that don't really matter? That sounds strong to say don't really matter. But you get what I'm saying? They don't, they don't hold a great importance in your destiny. Okay, where does the enemy attack? He attacks us basically where God's trying to move. Yes, because, because, you know, it's just simple things like this. If he can get Jen and I at odds with one another, then guess what? Is it going to hurt our relationship? Yes, but greater than that, it's going to hurt our children. Are you all following me? All right, I didn't say this with all the other ones, but I wanted to give it on this one because I want you to see when those moments come, because you probably had one of those this week, right? Uh, of, okay, maybe y'all didn't, okay. But, 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 it's, but it's this, is, is how do we need to approach things when there's a difference? Listen to this verse. Listen to what James went on to tell us. He said, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. And, you know, is my attitude Pure. Right? Is it peaceable? Am I being gentle? Am I willing to yield to the other person's opinion? Or is one person always got to yield to the other? Whoever's got the stronger personality that can dominate. Right? Is it full of mercy? Does it bear good fruit? Is it without partiality and without hypocrisy? Are you following me? It says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Notice it's not automatically there. We've got we to gotta make the conscious decision that peace would be there. So, listen, in, in our lives, I just believe this, that when we choose peace and when we choose mercy, when we choose all those things, that guess what? That God will bless us with the clarity that we need to give us a solution. Right. Yes? Amen. It's so funny watching y'all because y'all are like, do not look at my spouse. Do not look at my spouse. <laughs> I guess it's better than this. He's talking about you. You know, whatever. But anyways, all right, here we go. Number four. Number four, and we will land this thing, all right? We can open up the door to confusion when we are this. We're full of pride. Now, now listen, obviously pride, and I may talk about this in a few weeks, but pride, pride's got a lot of ugly heads, and it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. But I want to I talk about it in a really simple form as this is just simply that this is excessively high opinion of ourselves or think we are more important or better than others. Yeah? It's at that point we know pride's entered our heart. Now, now watch this. Once again, I want to bring this down to a level. It doesn't mean that I'm like, I am better than everyone. All people. I can just do this. You know, I, I'm better than my neighbor. Are you hear me? That, that I'm better than my wife. Well, I'm better than that guy I work with. I'm, are you following me? In other words, pride can come in our hearts in all different shapes and sizes. We, we, we can be uh, extremely insecure in ten things and be very arrogant in one thing. Are, are you guys following me? It, it, maybe let me say it to you like this, best, best way to say it. If we're honest with ourselves, 
we would uh, recognize that some of our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses. And the reason is, is because our greatest strength, if it's, if it's spirit-led, it's amazing. But that strength, if it's not spirit-led, man, it'll, it'll run us into a ditch and it damages people. Does that make sense? So, in that light, let's look at Proverbs 11.2, last verse. It says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but the humble is wisdom. But with the humble is wisdom. When pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. So the word dishonor here, I think we typically breeze right on by that. But, but it actually means that, that basically when pride comes, then comes disgrace, then comes shame, and you guessed it, confusion. It's actually what it means. That when pride comes, then comes confusion. See, and here's why. Basically, because when, we, when pride gets in our heart in certain areas, in that spot, we begin to be in opposition with God. Y- y'all get that? Because, God's, because God is love. He is not boastful. He is not proud. He's not prideful. So when we, step, when we get prou- uh, prideful, we step off that path that God's on, right? And so we put ourselves in opposition to Him, and that literally means that God opposes us. And the reason He opposes us is, guess what, is once again, we're set against Him, but when we're not on his path, there's no wisdom. There's no discernment. Right, y'all tracking? And so, and so what happens is because there's none of that, and then guess what the other option is? It's confusion. So let me just kind of maybe land this with this and these four points. I, I think it's really important that, once again, that we don't come to church today and just make light of this and go, okay, whatever, okay. Woo, made it through that one. <laughs> right? Whatever. <laughs> But, but, it, but it's in this sense that if I don't, we'll throw this up here, I think. But, but if we don't confront the open doors of confusion in our lives, in other words, if they remain, once again, that's how we are led into deception. Every person that we know that's on this far spectrum that's deceived, you could track their life all the way back to there to where something really simple started it. Every one of them. I mean, even just a challenge, okay? Go back to these guys that started all these religions, that ended up in tons of deception, if it's Jehovah's Witness with Charles Russell, if it's Joe Smith Jr. with Mormonism, you know, if it's Karl Marx, if it's, you know, go down the line, you can track it back to one simple thing that started it, right? Because it wasn't confronted. I'm not saying that all of us are going to end up being the next Marx, but so you know that I've got a little bit more faith in that. But awesome. Uh, ben, if you can come and we can just stand to our feet. We're going to pray for a second. If you are on the ministry team, if you want to come, go ahead, go ahead and come up. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Listen, it's really, really this simple. And now, short guy, will step up on stage. Um, if can I put this here? It's really simple. If we're sitting here today, and in fact, no, if you could go ahead and just throw up that list with all four of them, that'd be great. If we're sitting here today and we're like, man, um, I have definitely opened up a door in my life. How can I shut that thing? I want you to, I want you to have a lot of confidence in God today that, that the thing can be shut very easily. In fact, here's, here's how, here's kind of like the word picture I had today is, you know, for when I was in the fifth grade, I, uh, I basically found myself staring at the chalkboard like this. 
I, I couldn't see anything. In the fifth grade, my mom took me to the eye doctor, and I got me these, these glasses. And y'all remember the style. I mean, things are huge, right? And so, they are bigger than my head. And anyways, it was awful. Every good friend I've had has made fun of me since then when they see those pictures. All right. Anyways, so when I was... Uh, when I turned, I don't know, what, 20, 26, 27 years old, uh, you know, R- Ralph, Ralph worked at the eye doctor and had an opportunity to get LASIK surgery. So I went from like negative 400, blind as a bat, couldn't see anything, to we, we go in there and, uh, you know, they, they do the whole process. And literally in 20 minutes, I went away from couldn't see squat unless it was like close to like that, seeing 2020 vision. Amazing. If you ever had that done, you know, it's just like, wow. Right, And uh, so that's, when we pray today, that's what I believe is going to happen to you. That you've been so confused that you can't see really far, but man, but man, after today when we pray, and then we're going to be able to see at a really far distance. It's going to be clarity that's going to come to us. And, you know, it's simply this, okay? Here's what, because there is a requirement on our end. If we've compromised, if we've given ourselves fear of man, envy and strife, pride, or maybe there's offense, or maybe you hate people. Whatever it is, there could be other. There are other things there. Or maybe you believe skepticism, intellectualism. Maybe you've you've uh, you have uh, blurred the lines of morality in your life. It's really simple. Recognize you've done it and repent. And the moment we repent, guess what? The Bible says that God can cleanse us of all of that, and then He can be who He is in our lives. Yes. So it's simply this: it's obey the word today. Obey the word. Do what the word says. Your life will be awesome. Doesn't mean it won't be without problems, but it means it'll be good. You have clarity. And in that spot, you can actually discern the schemes of the devil. And you know they're coming. Are y'all with me? Amen. Amen. So if you basically just want prayer today, just close your eyes, just lift your hands and say, Man, I, I need I need to get clarity in my life today. Let me also add this. I didn't I didn't put this in there, uh, but another thing that can cause you to uh, be attacked by the enemy is simply this is that you're doing it right. And he's just mad at you, okay? Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, today we just come before you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you're a God of mercy and you're a God of grace. And you're a God that wants us to be on that path of righteousness more than we even want to be on that path of righteousness. And so, Lord, today, if there's somehow, some way we have uh, compromised, Lord, if we have the fear of man in our lives, uh, Lord, Lord, if we have uh, let envy and strife, God, get in our hearts where we're just argumentative, or, Lord, maybe pride has crept in, or maybe, Lord, we've, we've believed the skepticism and the intellectualism, and maybe, uh, you know, that the world is selling. Or maybe, Lord, that we've even blurred the lines of just morality in our lives. And we've crossed some lines. We believe some lies. Lord, today, whatever it is, we just simply repent of what it is in Jesus' name. God, we ask that you would forgive us. Lord, we ask that our hearts would be right with you. And, Father, we thank you that according to your word in 1 John, that you would come and you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That you'd forgive us of our sins, Lord. That you would give us a new start and a new beginning today. And Father, I just ask God right now over every person, people that have their hand up and people who don't have their hand up, Lord, I'm asking for clarity to flood their minds today in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm asking God that the light would be turned on. God, I'm asking that they would step back onto the path of righteousness. God, where light keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter because we're just walking closer to you. And so, Lord, today, just thank you for breaking, God. Right now, Lord, we just bind the spirit, Lord, of confusion over people's lives. Lord, we break its power in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just release your truth. Lord, we release obedient hearts. God, in this place today, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's all right. You can clap.